With the sports world on pause, we've teamed Greg Linelli and Eric Erlinson together for Power Lunch, an hour to talk lightning hockey, the NHL, and how you're coping with the coronavirus. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Center point headman, Rachel Kucherov. Score! Patrick Kucherov! Hoping to be hearing that at some point, maybe in a couple months. We don't know. We've just been here for you for about an hour every day talking about the league as much as we can and the coronavirus. Big show planned for you today coming up in just a couple of minutes. Dan Rosen. Love having him on. Senior writer for NHL.com. Also host of the NHL The Rink Podcast, which is a must listen to. And, you know, when there's not much going on, sometimes doing those podcasts, it's a nice uh, release of some things. And uh, let me bring in Eric Rollinson. Uh, to the broadcast. We also have the uh, 2019-2020 NHLPA player poll, which had some nice lightning representation. I want to ask Dan coming up and you and maybe our audience as well. Is there a difference between the best forward and the most complete player? And which one would you rather be in a situation like that? I I think that would be some fun discussions. And Victor Hedman also got on a conference call with three other players yesterday, which... I know you and I had a chance to submit some questions, and it was good to hear Victor on the line. Yeah, it was, and it's nice to see the NHL and the, and the PA, you know, putting these situations together. Obviously, it's been over two weeks now since the league went on pause, so I, I think it's it can be therapeutic. I think in a lot of ways for fans specifically to be able to see these players, hear from these players, understand what they're going through, see what they're going through, and just to see them. You know, I even you know the Victor Hedman stuff was being circulated on some of the local news stations here last night as well. So I, I think it's fantastic that the league is putting these together, these Zoom meetings, um, to be able to allow us to talk to them, to ask them questions, uh, obviously to generate some content, uh, but also to to just kind of know that they're they're good, they're, they're dealing with things just like every one of us are, usually at home, maybe going outside for a walk or something like that on occasion. Uh, but for the most part, they're going through the same things that we are. We're all trying to get through it in some way, and let's bring in our good friend Dan Rosen, guy who's always been generous with his time on our shows here on Lightning Power Play, joining us via the phone line. Dan, great to be with you. Hope you and the family are, are safe and sound and trying to keep yourself occupied. And I, I guess my first question to you would be, are you now an expert like most of us when it comes to the coronavirus? <laughs> it's good to be with you guys, too. We are fine. Hopefully you guys are all as well and all the listeners, too. I am I am not an expert as it comes to coronavirus, but I've watched more news than I've watched in a very long time. Uh, not that I'm not up on my, you know, news. It's just that, you know, I mean, I prefer to be writing and watching, writing about, and reading about, and listening to, and watching hockey as much as I can at this time of the year. So you're not watching the news all the time. So I am not an expert on the coronavirus, but I certainly know more about it than I would have ever like to know, as I'm sure you guys are the same and everybody out there is the same. Well, Dan, before he jumps in here, um, when you take a look at where we are right now, sports just shut down, everything shut down in general. And the longer this thing goes on and the more that, you know, government officials tell us, you know, we're going to, Give it another 30 days before you know we even think about maybe people getting back to their daily lives. Do you feel like the longer this goes on, that you know, kind of resuming play in any sport right now 
it's going to be a challenge? Or do you feel like, you know, look, there's still there's still room room for uh, some hope there to get everybody back playing? I don't, I don't know if it's naive, you know, if I'm just naive, um, but I maintain optimism. I maintain hope. I, I hear what, you know, from the hockey world, what the commissioner and what the deputy commissioner have been saying. And, and I maintain hope that at some point we can get back to having a season and, and, uh, awarding the Stanley cup for the 2020 year. Um, and again, I don't know if that's naive or not, but they have talked about how it could go into July, how they can go into August. And, and, and that, look, that would be very strange. And I can't imagine how they would do it in a building such, you know, such as Amelie Arena where, you know, it's hot. I mean, it's, it's so hot, right? And how would the ice be? And how do you keep the building cold? And if the doors have to keep opening for fans and all that stuff. But those are concerns that I would really love for everybody to have. And I maintain hope. I think it can be done. Uh, again, I don't know if I'm naive on that, but my concern too, guys, is when the green light is given, whenever that green light is given, how much trepidation are, are fans going to have, spectators, in terms of walking back in the building and sitting in close quarters with 20,000 people, you know, uh, that's, that's another, that's the next level of concern It's we can get back to playing at some point, but then we need to get the people in the building and we need to drive those, you know, the, the, the product to, to drive the fans back in the building and get them over a fear that is now instilled in all of us. And I think that's natural. And I think that might take a little time too, but in terms of getting back and playing, I, I mean, I'm maintaining optimism that we can award a Stanley cup at some point, before next season is supposed to start. Dan, do you think it's plausible to, because to, we know how much this league in particular is a gate-driven league, is so much of the revenue yeah. comes in from people being in the stands. And, I, you know, I get the feeling that when the league does come back, it probably has to be without fans in the stands, at least for a short period of time. Is that something that's plausible for, for the NHL to be able to do? And, you know, we look, we all want sports back, and, especially on TV it's 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 supposed to be a distraction for times like these for us and it's not prevalent on any platform for the most part um but for is it is it a plausible situation for the league to come back without fans in the stands in the short period of time and still generate some revenue off of it I think anything's plausible I think we have to look I think you know they're probably looking at all options available and that that certainly has to be a, under consideration or do you condense it and play in uh, one or two locations or three locations or four locations rather than across the landscape of the league, make it more neutral sites, if you will, um, to, to make it even safer and more controlled environments because you can control a smaller amount. Th- those are all things, you know, I'm sure under consideration in terms of generating revenue. Look, I mean, if, if the games are back on, you're now putting them back on television. You're generating the, the more ad revenue. You're generating the TV ratings, which I'm sure would skyrocket if fans are not there. I mean, I would, I would hope that they would go up, you know, if you, know, you don't have the ability to go to the game necessarily. I don't know about skyrocket, but they would go up. And maybe that helps in the long run, too, in terms of, you know, generating revenue or just the product being back out there could drive fans to order jerseys online, order product online, whatever it may be even if they don't want to go to the building in particular, uh, I still think you'll have fans wanting to go to the building, just 
you know, I think there will be a group of, you know, there will be a, a fans who, who are just wondering, is this worth it for me right now? Do I feel safe enough for me right now? That's the next level of concern. But if they can get the games back going in some capacity, then you can work on generating revenue without games. It's very hard to generate revenue, but once you put them back on, you now have the ability to do that. Dan Rosen from NHL.com joins us here on Lightning Power Play. Greg Linnelli, Eric Rowlandson with you. Dan, to that point, does the NHL have to get creative when it comes to marketing, knowing that some people won't have maybe a few extra bucks to go out there and spend money on an NHL game? Does the NHL have to find ways to bring more people in or bring back a lot of their fans who, at least right now, financially, may be hurting a bit? I think all sports are going to have to do that. I don't think that's limited to the NHL. I think that's all sports across the world. You know, in particular, you know, not and it's not just limited to North America. So I think, yeah, it's going to have to involve creativity. But you're seeing creativity now with no games, right? In terms of content generation, and that creativity has to carry over. I mean, the NHL pause binge is another, you know, uh, thing of creativity. We have content on NHL.com. You guys are generating it just on this show, right? I mean, you got to get creative in terms of what you're talking about. We're going to be recording a podcast tomorrow, and we need creativity in that because the, it, it's not handed to us on a silver platter as if there were games being played and things to talk about. So that creativity is going to have to carry over in terms of marketing, absolutely. But that's not limited to the NHL. That's all sports. That's all teams. Uh, that That's on a local and a national scale and, and pretty much on a global scale, to be honest with you. Dan Rosen from NHL.com joins us here on Power Lunch. I'm Eric Rollinson. He is Greg Linnelli. And, uh, Dan, I know you've been an active participant in these uh, video conference calls the league has set up with uh, select players around the league. And we were on the one yesterday with the lighting uh, and Victor Hedman. Uh, but the question I have for you is we've heard what the players are doing, what they're binge-watching and everything like that. I know you've got a couple of young ones at home that limits us at times, but is there anything that you've done that kind of keeps you occupied during this this time inside, especially uh, up in the region where you're at? You know, it's surprising, but the days are moving pretty fast. Uh, I'm in North Jersey. I'm about 10 miles from New York City. I haven't been to New York City since the 10th of March. That was the last time I went into the city to go into the office. Uh, it's all shut down. It's eerie. Uh, you see pictures of Times Square or, you know, friends of mine who live in the city just posting pictures on their social media, and it's very eerie. It's very strange. But uh, for me, with a five-year-old and a 10-year-old at home uh, and so we're, we're, you know, my 10 year olds in fifth grade is doing distance learning is what they're calling it in town. And they have a whole program set up for them. And we're trying to stay active, you know, with the five-year-old, keep him engaged and busy with activities. And plus there is work to be done for me. I mean, we've had these calls, uh, the last several days, uh, we have had, I I'm still doing my mailbag. We're recording a podcast. So surprisingly for me, and maybe luckily enough, the days are moving along at a pretty rapid pace. We're not, we're not bored here because uh, there's a lot going on in the house. Plus we got a, a puppy, a one-year-old dog who's keeping us pretty active and pretty busy too. Dan, I know in some ways I'm asking you to project here and that's hard to do, but based on what we saw up to this point in the regular season and now with the stoppage in play because of the virus, who do you think that's had a, a bigger effect on negatively and positively when we talk about maybe teams that are, 
in a playoff spot or close to being in a playoff spot? Well, any team that was creeping closer to a playoff spot, it's impacted negatively. I think of the New York Rangers in particular, right? So they climbed back after the all-star break with a really strong run. Mika Zibanejad got incredibly hot, scored like 20 goals in 21 games. They hit a lull. They hit a losing streak. They came out of it. They go to Dallas. They win a game. They go to Colorado. They get a point. Now they're two points back, and now it's stopped. Momentum stopped. Minnesota was kind of generating a little bit momentum in the Western Conference, dead stop. Those teams, the ones that are not quite there and are looking at it and going, hey, if they start the playoffs and if we're able to come out of this pause at some point and they don't have any more regular season games, they just start the playoffs, all our work goes for naught because we're not in. We're not really, we're not there yet if that's the way they're going to go about it. So those teams, I think, get really negatively impacted. The teams that, that, I don't want to say positively impacted because none of, this is, none of this is positive, but the teams that can benefit if we do come out of the pause and play are the teams that had injuries, right? I mean, I think of the avalanche with Nathan McKinnon, right? I mean, he was out. He was going to be out for a couple of weeks, and now everybody's going to be healthy. The guys on the call last week, Mark Giordano from the Calgary Flames, Connor McDavid from the Oilers, and a few others, they were mentioning how if we're able to come out of the pause at some point, they believe – it could be among the best Stanley Cup playoffs that we've ever had because you're really going to be seeing best on best, your, your best versus my best, because everybody, unless they had major surgery, is going to be healthy. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they, uh, Jake Gensel could be back in the lineup for the Penguins. Dougie Hamilton could be back in the lineup for the Hurricanes. You know, things along those lines. Guys that wouldn't have been back will now be back. And Vladimir Tarasenko for the Blues wouldn't be back. Now they'll be back and going. Stamkos is another one, right? Yeah, there's no doubt that there would be that part of the benefit, and that was a very good observation. I think it was Giordano who said it uh, was the first one yeah, to mention that it, it could be some of the best because of, of that situation. Now, of course, if, and, and the other thing is, too, like, all right, everybody is on pause, but everybody's on pause. So all teams will be going through the same thing. So there's no advantage, disadvantage when we get back to seeing games played for one team or another in that aspect. Every team will have gone through the same amount of rest. Every team will have gone through the same amount of trying to keep themselves in shape. You know, maybe the players who have done the best job of keeping themselves in the best possible shape during this, maybe they would have an advantage. But everybody would be literally on an even playing field because of that situation. So I think it would make for a very interesting and exciting playoff situation. And I guess my question, the first part there, you, you answered it in terms of teams that are, are close to getting in. Down here, in particular, the Florida Panthers, they were three points behind mm -hmm. Toronto when the league paused with a game in hand and still one more head-to-head -head matchup meeting. How about for those teams? Is, is there any way in your mind to, to, to fare to the teams like the Minnesotas and like the Rangers that were really coming on before the pause to give them maybe a fair and equal opportunity to put themselves in the conversation? I think there is. Um I think the, the, the NHL, I'm sure, is going through various machinations of how to make this work in the fairest and most reasonable way if the pause ends and if you can't play any more regular season games because the time doesn't permit. And one of the ways that I think could be very interesting, every team has played 68 games. So you cut back any team that's played over 68 games, just bring them back to what they were at at 68 games. 
And whatever their points were at at that point, it takes away points percentage. It takes away that you bring them back to 68 games and you say, what were you at 68 games? Where were the standings? Where were you in the standings at 68 games? How many points did you have? Regulation wins, all that stuff. And that's your standings. You cut out. If a team's played 70 games, you cut out the last two. They don't count anymore. They'll count for the goals and assists and whatever win, but they don't count in the standings points. And then what you do is you add another two teams because not everybody's played the full 82. So you have added, add another two teams and you have the, the wild card. It's a plan for the wild card. The top three teams in each division get into the playoffs and the other four teams, the best, the other best four, like you'd have for the wild card, best two. Now you'd have best four. Those teams play a best three to get into the playoffs for the wild card. That I think that's just me spitballing, right? I have heard nothing from anybody from the NHL about that. I have heard nothing from any executive about that. That's just a, a guy sitting in his home spitballing ideas, which is what everybody's pretty much doing at this point, right? But that, I think, would be very interesting. Dan, do you think now is the time for the NHL to think outside the box when it comes to the playoffs, when it comes to marketing, when it comes to maybe rethinking how they're doing things just in general? I don't think anybody would fault them if they started some new ideas because of this pandemic that was thrust upon the league and obviously the whole world, but it would seem like they'd get a bit of a pass if they decided to experiment in some ways that made some sense to a lot of different people. I think, yeah, I think that's true with all the four major pro sports, to be honest with you. And I think you're seeing, like I said before, I think you're seeing some of that experimentation already going on. Um, We had all these, the NHL has all this historical video stuff but it wasn't centrally located in any one place so now it is on nhl.com you have the nhl pause binge which will eventually change names to something else right a classic binge or whatever it may be right but that's all there now if you want to get some classic stuff that's there it wasn't there before now there's time to do that um they're doing a lot more on social media with players you know player q a's on zoom or on facetime or whatever it may be those things can continue as the season goes on. It doesn't have to stop because, you know, because the guys go back to playing, it it can continue on. I mean, you can get a guy on a day off to sit down for 25, 30 minutes and answer questions from fans on video. Um, That type of creativity is going to lend itself to more ideas, more experimentation. And you're right. I mean, you might land on something whether you're talking about the playoffs or you're talking about the season, whatever it may be, you may land on something that, that you find works because you, you've taken them time here to experiment with something. And if it doesn't work, I agree. You might get a pass. I mean, sure, some people will rip it, but they wouldn't every sport. Um, but you might find some lightning in a bottle, so to speak, right? And, and you never know what you get because now everybody's got time. Every, all these decision makers, all the creative minds have time to sit down and and let their creative mind wander to something when you're in the thick of it you're kind of going from you know day to day and you're, you're just kind of grinding through sometimes but now you have time to really, really let your creative mind go and i think you will find some things and i think you already have dan rosen from nhl.com joins us here on power lunch and dan i'm curious do you think from the media standpoint that the way we cover the league and the way we cover games and players in particular is is there any change you think will, are going to come out of this situation you know i was reading eric to um 
column he had the other day and uh, how it yeah, used to be when right. he first got into the business way back. And well, we, we won't tell Eric, won't, won't tell people how old, <laughs> old Eric is and how long he's been in the business. But, uh, you know, we started out when it was a much different time in terms of how the media covered the league and the players uh, and how that led to so many more. Uh, human interest stories, shall we say, and, and get to know the players' personalities a little bit. And we're seeing a little bit of that in these video chats that the league is putting together. Do you do you think in some ways that this might change the way that not just us on the media side, but also on the league and PR sides might change the way that we cover players and games and leagues? I I think that is one of the potential great benefits of this whole thing is hockey players have great personalities. Not all of them. Not, you know, society of 700 people not every single one of them is going to have a great personality but a lot of them do and they need to come out more because that's a great way to market yourself your team your league right and we are seeing that i mean the other day on the conference call ryan Getzlaff took us through his yard into his to show us his chicken coop that he was building uh kopitar couture Getzlaff and Flurry were on a call together uh, on Friday, and it was pure gold comedy. It was great. And those guys have personalities. And maybe on game days it doesn't always come out, but you want more of it to come out. And, yes, everybody is getting humanized by this whole thing. You are, I am, the players are. We're all in it together, like you said off the top, right? We're all in this together. And because I think everybody's getting humanized by this whole thing, you can start generating, and when you go back, you'll have something very much in common, a reporter to a player to talk about. And how it, and that will lend itself, you're not going to be friends, but that will lend itself to conversations further, to just getting to know one another on a deeper basis than we do now. And if we're able to do that, better content will come of it. Fans will get to know these guys on a level they haven't gotten to know them in the past because things have been guarded. Things have been that way, like Eric wrote about. And I understand why they are, but there's a way of getting around it and there's a way of you know, pushing through to, to really get that humanizing effect. This humanizes all of us. I think that really could lend itself to something great for us in the media, but mainly because we're the conduit for the fans out there reading and listening and, and, and watching. Dan, I, I have one more question for you. We're here with Dan Rosen from NHL.com here on Power Lunch. Greg Linelli along with Eric Erlinson. If and when play does resume this year, however that is, whether they finish out the regular season, whether they go <clears> straight <throat> to the postseason, do they have to be careful about how they manage next year in terms of getting all 82 games in, Dan? You want to protect the athletes. You want to do what makes sense. Do they have to be practical and honest about what they can actually accomplish and at the same time putting a good product on the ice? Yeah, 100%. And guys have mentioned that as well. Like Nick Foligno on the first call, uh, he also we also had him on our podcast last week, Nick Foligno, the captain of the Blue Jackets. I mean, he brought that up. Like, look, we are so intensive, you know, finishing this season and getting a Stanley Cup champion, and everybody wants that. But he said it can't come at a negative effect for next season. And same, Bill Daly has said that. Like, next season can't be negatively impacted because of this, right? Because then it starts a domino effect, and it starts a ball rolling down a hill that you may not be able to stop at some point. Because where, do you, where does it end? Um, so, yeah, I think that has to be a conscious decision on 
But it comes back to timing, and nobody knows the timing. And, and that and that's the thing right now. If if we had a time frame that was pretty firm, or eighty percent, or you know whatever seventy five percent that we could reasonably make decisions on, then that would be one thing. But nobody has that, so it's very hard at this point to do that. And so yeah, you ha- you worry about next season because you don't want to negatively impact it, or you don't want to negatively impact the players because the product matters, and that's what it is. It's entertainment, and the product on the ice is what matters most. Dan, last one for me, uh, and not necessarily NHL related, but you know, you're up in the New York area. We see the news, we see the reports of how much of a sort of a hot spot uh, it has become in this pandemic situation. H- how is it for you being up in there and you know seeing that and, and seeing how it's affected you know the metropolitan area and, and affected so many people, you know, and, and you're sort of right in the epicenter in some ways. It's like I said before, it's eerie, it's weird. Um, but again, we're all isolated. Like I live in New Jersey, so you're isolated from really the epicenter of New York. But I have a lot of friends and know people that live there, and um, you know, yeah, like people are impacted by the whole thing. And it's not even just impacted by getting sick; it's impacted by what it's done to jobs and what it's done to work. I mean, how many freelance writers and cameramen and uh, you know, um, what you know, journalists that that do we know, you know, that, that work in the New York area that rely paycheck to paycheck on jobs and getting assignments and those assignments are washed away. They're gone right now. And I, I feel terrible for them. Um, but it is, it's very eerie. And you watch the news and you see all the self quarantining and, and, you know, we're following all the guidelines and that's why you're like, I still feel isolated from it because even though I'm 10 miles from New York city, that 10 miles feels like I could, you know, New York City is in Florida right now because mm-hmm. you're not going anywhere near it. Yeah, it's definitely a new world we live in, that's for sure. Um, Dan, thanks so much for taking some time out of your day. We really appreciate the conversation. Uh, to you and your family, be safe, be well, and I look forward to talking to you about action on the ice here, hopefully sooner rather than later. You got it, guys. That would be fantastic. Be safe, everybody. Thanks, Dan. Yep. Thanks, Dan. All right, Dan Rosen. There, the great Dan Rosen, and yep. I, I would say cautiously optimistic. Yeah, that we have hockey. Yeah, look, I, because of the conversations we've heard and the reports that come out about asking for building availabilities in July and August, we know they they will do whatever they can to try and get the league back up in some capacity. Now, I guess my one concern would be, and you know, I brought this up yesterday in the question with Dave Mishkin. You know, everybody's looking at China because this was the first outbreak of it. They've been in lockdown since basically January. They're starting to emerge a little bit, and everybody's looking at their sports league and how they were going to handle it. And they had this plan in place with their basketball league to separate, you know, I think, uh, 12 teams, 12 teams in two different cities, keep the players isolated and everything like that, and maybe get their league back on track, which includes some American players, Jeremy Ling in particular, uh, former New York Nick, Houston Rocket, uh, is playing now over in China. And the government came out today and said sports leagues are not allowed to come back and they don't know when that will be lifted. So that's, you know, we had talked about that model um, 
in that this is going to hurt in that optimism, but I still think at the end of the day, I, I think in some capacity, somehow, some way, we are going to have a Stanley Cup champion for 2020 uh, crowned at some point this year. And the problem with that, too, is I, I think as we're starting to find out, we just I, we can't really trust what's coming out of China either. And I think that's also, too, until we get an idea of what exactly is going on, I think some of these decisions in terms of other countries getting back to I don't want to say work, but some normalcy, I think, as you would agree, I think, you know, get it under control here, focus on what the issue is. I think there is some encouraging news coming out of the FDA that they're expediting really some some great vaccines and uh, medicine that might be able to help out patients, especially in that New York area, as you talked to Dan about that, um, you know, could be game changers in terms of how everybody gets back to some normalcy. Yep, and that and that's key. That's just, just find a way to stay inside as much as possible, limit this, get it under control, and then the sooner that happens, the sooner we can get back to some normalcy because the science will catch up. The science always catches up, and it might take a little bit longer than we had hoped and anticipated, but we know that the science will catch up with this. All right, let's go ahead and take our first break here. You are listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. He is Greg Linnelli. I'm Eric Erlinson. We're going to talk about the NHLPA Players Poll when we come back right after this. Greg Linnelli and Eric Erlinson are the perfect social distancing distraction for your lunch hour. This is Power Lunch, only on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back to Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. I am Eric Erlinson. He is Greg Linnelli. And don't forget that these shows replay at 3, 6, and 9 on the iHeart app, uh, Lightning Power Play. Search for Lightning Power Play on the iHeart. Uh, or just go to lightningpowerplay.com and click on the um, listen live option and you can find these shows. So if you missed the opening part of the show, we had some little technical difficulties, uh, you can listen to it again at, again, 3, 6, and 9. And Greg, we teased this uh, yesterday at the NHLPA, which puts out their annual player poll, usually towards the end of the regular season, and this would have been the last week of the regular season, and uh, some interesting tidbits uh, in terms of how the players voted, and it's not every player voted on every question, so there's you know, some variance in terms of the number of votes for some of these. But uh, in the most part, there are four to 500-plus uh, votes amongst the players. And uh, the first one that stands out to me is who is the best forward. And it's no surprise that Connor McDavid is one and Sidney Crosby is two. But number four, Nikita Kucherov. What do you make of that? Uh, I, I make of it that uh, coming off the MVP year that he had last year, the 128 points, uh, that they're seeing a player mature uh, in a lot of ways in his game. And I know we can discuss the benching this year and all that, but I, I think it's just uh, people are starting to understand within the PA ranks uh, of how good Nikita Kucherov is really becoming as a player, uh, as a forward in this league. You think some people here in Tampa Bay would put Braden Point in front of them? Of course. Of course, just as some people... Because I always find that an interesting in question. Well, because I find that an interesting question. I think sometimes that's why these awards, too, are a little a little interesting to debate because who is the best forward? So they probably should, on this poll, who is the best offensive player? Because I think a lot of people would look at Connor McDavid and say, you know what, yeah. And then I probably would have Nikita Kucherov maybe second or third in this poll. I think that's pretty fair, and I think if you go best all-around player, which I think they eventually do who's the most complete player, 
Sidney yeah. Crosby's number one, Patrice Bergeron number two. But I, I would have a hard time keeping a guy like Braden Point off that list. I know these these polls, they're not an exact science. And we'll get to the goaltender question because I always find that fascinating. I have uh, some yep. gripes with that. Yep. But I think sometimes how we look at these things, we don't do a good enough job, and I'm talking about these polls, of asking the right question. Who is the best forward? And I think... That in terms of who was just nominated in the, the top four on that on that list, I I think that's probably not the options that were correct. Now, granted, uh, you're just asking my opinion, but that's how I look at this, and I, I think there can be some confusion when we start asking these questions to everybody. Well, as as you've so eloquently auditioned here the past couple of weeks, you should be in charge of asking the questions. I'm, I'm nominating you right now for for asking great questions. Is that a compliment you, by you? No. Would you're you call being that passive aggressive? I know it. Yeah, I hate <laughs> passive aggressive people. By the way, come on. You got a beef with me? Just come out and say it. Uh, you know? I, do, I don't have a beef with you, Greg. I come know on, you man. don't. But would no, you? You don't have to agree with me. But like when you when you say best forward, and and look, it's it's not a knock on Kucherov. Obviously, he's one of the best. I think offensive players in the game. Yep. But if you're telling me, and, and this goes back to the question I think I asked maybe, wow, it might have been last year when Braden Point was having his really good season, who was the Lightning's most complete forward or best forward? Not best offensive player, because I, I, I think you, I think Kucherov is. But I think when we start talking about who their best forward is, do we have to, is there any difference between best forward and most important forward? It comes down to who's interpreting the question, right? And that's especially in these polls. There are a lot of those. Who who interprets yeah. the question, and how are you interpreting it? You know, this 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 debate comes up every year. The MVP, you know, the the definition of how you vote for the MVP is judged to be the most important to his team. And too many times, people want to turn this into the best player award, right? Because Connor McDavid on a team that doesn't make the playoffs, uh, especially the analytical crowd says he's the most important player to his team. Well, his team didn't make the playoffs. So how important can he be for a team that didn't make the playoffs? Yeah. And that's, you know, you go back to when Taylor Hall won it a couple of years ago because of the difference he had. It was a 50-point difference, almost a 50-point difference between himself and the number two scorer on the Devils. You know, that proved to be a pretty important player to his team. So it's not best player, you know. And, and I've seen, uh, I know you've had Sam Carcidi on, a number of times on your show, and he was pushing hard for Claude Giroux as MVP that year because of how he made players better around him. And, you know, he used the word robbed when it comes to Claude Giroux and the MVP that year. But I don't know how, if, if you judge it on that interpretation of it, you couldn't have said Taylor Hall was the most important player to his team because they did make the playoffs. Yeah. And without him, where did the offense come without him for a team that, in a lot of ways, he single-handedly pushed into the playoffs because they had goaltending issues that year as well. That's a good point. And, and, you know, honestly, too, when we get into this, who's the most valuable player to their team, I always find it fascinating. And I know they have a separate category for goaltenders, but let's face yeah, it. Yeah, it's always a goalie, right? You can make a case that goaltenders, they, they just, it's okay if they happen to be the most valuable position on your team and you can also have best goaltender in the game. It's okay to do that. It is yeah. okay. And I think sometimes we get a little, little too fussy on 
making sure everybody has their own separate category but no crossover. I mean, of course there's crossover. If you can have a defenseman who's the most valuable to his team and still have the Norris Trophy given to the best defenseman as well, you can do the same thing for a goaltender when it comes to MVP and the best goaltender in the game. So uh, we got off track a bit. I know we were talking about who's the best forward. I think we understand in the context of this question, it makes a lot of sense that Connor Dave McDavid was number one, Sidney Crosby number two, McKinnon three, Kucherov four. And, you know, quite frankly, I understand what they're trying to ask, but, you know, I think there were a couple other Tampa Bay Lightning players that could have made a case to get on that list. Yeah, it, and again, the, how the voting takes place sometimes, you wonder how much to – how much thoughts put into it, or are you basing it just based on your first thought, right? So, uh, and that'll come up in the goaltending situation, which we'll get to because uh, who is the best defenseman? And for the second year in a row, number 77, Victor Hedman, with uh, nearly 38% of the votes, 520 votes total. Uh, he is he was voted the best defenseman in the league by his peers, with John Carlson coming in second, followed by Roman Yossi, Drew Doughty and Brent Burns. Um, so I don't think it's any surprise. We, we certainly know the, the importance that Victor Hedman has to this team. And look, you, you can even make the argument that Victor Hedman is the most valuable player on the Lightning because That's a great when point. he's out, we saw it last year when he wasn't himself yeah. going in the playoffs and he missed game three and four, that his absence on that back end is a huge hole for a Lightning team, and it would be for any team, but particularly for this Tampa Bay team to try and fill. It's a really good point. You don't make many of them, but I'm giving you the pat on the back right now. Uh, was I, that I, passive I aggressive? That was, pa- was very <laughs> passive aggressive, and shame on me for being that way. I, I just have to come out and let you know. Uh, next to Vasilevsky, you're absolutely right. It's Victor Hedman, and it's not a surprise that he's number one on that list, although I think his play started to level off a bit uh, recently, but he had a stretch there, and I think along with the way his team was playing when they were just lighting it up for a couple of months where he was the best defenseman in the game. And I, I keep going back to, you know, this is a guy that was playing with Jan Ruta and made Jan Ruta a top four defenseman. Credit Jan Ruta for the work he put in, but a lot of that is because you're playing with a guy in Victor Hedman who could be a stud. I think one of the questions we had going into the season, and still maybe it hasn't been answered to our liking, is how important it was to find somebody to play with Victor Hedman. It may end up being Jan Ruta, but I think in terms of getting the most out of Victor Hedman for this team to win a Stanley Cup, Victor Hedman's going to have to play like the best defenseman in the game. I think one of those questions the coaching staff should be asking themselves and the general manager as well is who's best served to play with Victor Hedman and get the most out of him as well. And at least right now, it, it was Jan Ruta, but I think that's a compliment to how great Hedman is more so than maybe how good Jan Ruta is. Well, then you think about with Ruta's injuries and the signing of Zach Bogosian, you know, where does, where does Bogosian fall into that uh, potential partner uh, when games do resume? You know, where's he at it? I think he had really started to turn his game around. We certainly heard some of the issues he had in Buffalo. Didn't see a ton of them here. Uh, maybe after the first couple of games, I thought he had turned around. So, you know, where does Zach Bogosian fit into that uh, conversation when we come back as well, because you're right, it, it is. It's a question since training camp. I don't think it was ever solidly answered. I think you had solutions, but not necessarily answers, if that makes any sense. Yeah, a little bit. Oh, okay, I'll a take that. I'll take the, coming from no. you, I'll take that for sure. It does. It does. Um, what else stood out for you? Well, the, the goalie situation. Um, 
and this this ha- it seems to happen every year. 515 players voted on this one, and Carey Price came in at almost 42%, which is surprising to me. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky is second at 17%, but such an overwhelming number of players voted for Carey Price, and this is my thought on how much thought do the players and people who vote on these things actually put into this, because if you watch Carey Price play this year, the Canadians stayed in the playoff race despite Carey Price's play. So to me, this is nothing more than a reputation vote. Uh, this is nothing more than, oh, that's, I, I look, I, I know it's hard to score against Carey Price, so that's who I'm going to vote for here. Uh, and I think that gets a little short-sighted in a poll like this, that this is nothing more than a reputation-based vote for Carey Price. Yeah, and that's why I think sometimes we get excited when we see the players vote on things, and oftentimes players know better than anybody else because they go against these guys uh, on a nightly basis. But I, I think you have a hard time convincing a lot of people that right now Andre Vasilevsky is not the best goaltender in the game based off of just how we watch him perform and the few times we do see Carey Price. I mean, at some point, yes, the reputation's nice, but this isn't Carey Price of five, six years ago. And it may be a product because he's not playing for a good team. Yep. Oh, well, that's yep. part of the deal. And you shouldn't penalize Vasilevsky for being on a good team just to make a statement that Carey Price... Uh, would be just as good as Vasilevsky had he been playing with the Tampa Bay Lightning all this time. And I'm not sure that's the connection maybe the players are making, but I think sometimes the reputation and knowing what team he plays for and who Vasilevsky plays for, maybe sometimes people think, "Eh, if they were to switch roles, you know, would it be different? Yeah, look, I've said for years, Carey Price plays on a mediocre team and he makes them exceptional because of his play. So he's always played, in my opinion, in subpar teams, in front of sub, behind subpar teams because, um, you know, it's the Montreal just has not built that type of a team. They've centered it all around Carey Price. And that's not a bad thing when you have a goalie, the caliber of him, but you need to give him some support. And he was able to. Uh, overcome some of that in his peak when he was a, a candidate for the Vezina Trophy every year, but you know he's not even in the Vezina conversation this year. So I, I think that's a that's a miss by the players in this situation. Uh, just rolling here through real quick. If you need one one um, one win, who is the player at any position you would want on your team? Uh, no no surprise. Sidney Crosby forty four percent, Connor McDavid thirty percent, Nathan McKinnon, and then Patrice Bergeron falling after that. Um, to your question, who's the most complete player? Uh, as you alluded to, Sidney Crosby, one. Patrice Bergeron, two. Alexander Barkov, three. Uh, that's a, nice to see him get some votes for that because he is a fantastic two-way player. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, who won the Conn Smythe last year, comes in at four. What's your thoughts on Barkov making this list? Well, I mean, I think you know everybody you talk to says Barkov for sure is maybe the most underrated player in the league. And I think at what point do, after a couple of years, you say he's the most underrated, you're giving him some publicity. Does he not become the underrated? He, he yep. gets the publicity that, that he, he's been craving because you've made him underrated for the past two years on this list. I think a lot of people feel like, again, maybe some of uh, the Carey Price syndrome, if he's in another market, is he a guy that's, you know getting more publicity and is he higher than Patrice Bergeron at this point in his career? Um, Probably not. I actually think they nailed this pretty accurately. Um, Again, I think you could probably quibble with having a guy like Braden points in something like this, because we talk about his two way game 
He's a goal scorer, but he also went toe-to-toe with Patrice Bergeron in the playoffs a couple of years ago. At that line, did pretty well. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, you understand, coming off the Stanley Cup, I think his value increased getting out of Buffalo. So it's not surprising, actually, these four guys. I, I think what I find fascinating is the separation between one and two, two and three. That's what I find. I mean, Crosby almost got 46% of the, the votes. Bergeron, 25%. And I think if you sit next to uh, Phil Esposito, who's a huge Sidney Crosby fan, I think he thinks Patrice Bergeron is the most complete forward in the game. But Barkov yeah, but- is at 7.5%. That's 18% difference between the two and you know I, I think a lot of people feel like skill wise Barkov is is right there with him yeah he is and and the, you know we talk about under um underrated players I, I think in Barkov's case it's just overlooked players because of the team and the market he plays in I, I think that's what it is that I, I think if you know I, how many times has Dave Mishkin mentioned how much he loves the way Barkov plays the game and his approach to the game and his two-way forward so I, I think there is a big difference there between um, you know, being underrated and, and uh, overlooked. I think in Barkov's case, it's it's probably more overlooked because he is uh, uh, he is a true number one center in this league, and and probably again he he warrants being in that top of complete uh, forwards in the game. Well, let me ask he, you this he, before we move on, real quick, Yuri. Yeah. Most complete player. Do you think that's a bigger? I don't want to say acknowledgement of how good of a player you are, as opposed to best forward. Yep. Yep, because I think and, it complements your all around game. So in some ways, who's the most complete player? Is Should that just be labeled who's the best player? Or do you think you'd still get Connor McDavid when it comes to that question? Because, I again, this is where the wording is. When you say best forward, I think that really means best offensive player. And I, I think when you say most complete player, I think you're saying who's the best player. Yeah, I agree. There, there's a difference in how you you view the question and and what what is the meaning of the question. So, um, uh, to me, I I think uh, probably Crosby is the best all around player because you just watch his determination level, his willingness to battle and fight and and play in the defensive areas. Uh, certainly, Patrice Bergeron gets the reputation because of his Selkie awards uh, and everything else that he has won. But if you're going to talk about uh, you know a guy in Crosby who can score 120 points, uh, but also play as strong as he does and face-offs and everything else that he does, I, I, I would look at Crosby as the most complete player. And yeah, I, I think they got the first two in this category right. Um, and if, if, you were, if you were to have one of those guys in your team that you needed to win one game, uh, I'm probably taking Crosby because he's done it. He's been there. I mean, three Stanley Cups, a gold medal, uh, the 2010 games in Vancouver. Um, you know, he, he's been through so much in his career that uh, if you're going to want somebody to go uh, battle for you, I think that's the guy that you want to look at. Um, best trash talker. Now, this one is always interesting to me, and it happens every year because the category is best trash talker, and the one right below it is worst trash talker. And the number one and number two are both the same player in this because Brad Marchand is first in best trash talker. Drew Doughty is second in best trash talker. First in worst trash talker, Brad Marchand. Or Marchand. I don't know how he wants his name pronounced this week. Uh, And Drew Doughty is second. Um, So interesting in how this is voted on and how it's viewed as both best and worst. Yeah, and this is one of those things where we don't have as much insight because we're not on ice level. But you can only go off of... Well, and that's where, but honestly, that's where guys like Brian Engblom and guys who are between the benches can shed some light. And we have heard Brian Engblom at least 
as an observation, talk about Pat Maroon as a guy who certainly uh, can get in there and, and, and chap away. And what's interesting, and chirp away, what's interesting is you'll see a lot of times at the end of each period when Tampa Bay and the opposing team, if there's a scuffle at the end of a, of a period, Maroon's typically one of the last guys to enter the locker room for obvious reasons. One, you know, I think he's looking to send a message. But two, he is talking constantly. And so you just have to understand that he's he's letting people know that they're not welcomed at Amelie Arena. You know, we talk about thinking outside the box, and this goes back to um, getting to know the players. Because I think out of all of the athletes in today's game, um, hockey, I think, can offer you maybe some of the greatest theater by the up-close and personal interactions on, on the ice and off the ice. Uh, with these athletes, because I think they are some of the most engaging, thoughtful, and um, elite athletes we have in today's game. Do you think we'll ever get to a point where you want to talk about excitement and bringing fans in to get an idea of what they're discussing on the ice, if you ever have some of these guys mic'd up? I know they do, but I'm talking about letting cool. some of that fun stuff go. Yep. No, I agree. Uh, we, you know, we've seen it with the, uh, the Road to the Winter Classic, especially when it was on HBO, and you heard all that. Like you got it was beautiful. some great entertainment, some great stuff. Uh, Brad Richards, who we didn't think about as a, as a trash talker, uh, he had one yeah. of the greatest chirps. I can't remember what it is now. It's been so long since I watched it. But he had one of the greatest chirps ever uh, during a game, and it was caught on the microphone because the Rangers were playing in the Winter Classic that year. So, yeah, I, I would be all in favor of that. You know, you have the regular broadcast, and then you have the R-rated version. <laughs> that, that's that it. Could catch it. I think that well, would no, be that's fantastic it. television. Now, look, there's, I'm sure there's some sort of regulation that they'd have to cut through or they, they I mean, look, it would be a problem. It would all be sensitive again, maybe, sport. Yeah, and I get that, but I, I'm wondering, you know, we talk about getting fans back to the game. What if you had an option? And it'd be hard to do, I understand, from a technical standpoint, but look at, look at all the advances we've made technically over the last few years. What if you could just pick the option? Clean? Not clean. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine the possibilities? And, and maybe you charge people to watch the the R version, so to speak. You charge them a few bucks, but there may be some people who are like, "This is amazing." Yeah, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. that would uh, be great. We, we we need to get uh, Rosen back on the line to talk about uh, revenue generator. If we uh, we yes. come back and play these games without fans in the stands, that would be must watch television. Is that uh, a I great think idea? Be fantastic. That's a great idea. I'm not saying you came up with it, but that's a great idea. <laughs> that was well played. Well played. <laughs> yeah, so we, we didn't mention Pat Maroon came in fourth on this list yeah. uh, of best trash Good talkers. Um, and just to whiz through these last couple here, uh, I know we're going to take yeah. a break here real quick. Uh, of players past or present, who would, who would you pay to see play? Uh, Wayne Gretzky first, Bobby Orr second, Mario Lemieux third, Connor McDavid fourth. Um, no Phil Esposito. Yeah. On this list, we'll have to have we'll have to have the conversation. I guess scoring that. goals was boring. I guess so. Seven hundred and seventeen right? of them. Um, and the la the last one. This is interesting. Best female yeah. hockey player in the world, uh, Marie Philippe Poulin from Canada, and Hillary Knight, thirty nine percent, thirty six percent. Kendall Coyne Schofield, who we remember from the All Star Game, yeah. uh, two years ago, and Emily Matheson, who by the way is Emily Emily Falzer. She was she's actually married now to Mike Matheson, uh, Panthers defenseman, comes in fourth in that poll all right we do have to take a break so let's uh, let's uh, cut away real quick we'll come back and wrap up the show right after this an hour of hockey talk to get you through social distancing 
This is Power Lunch with Greg Linelli and Eric Erlinson on Lightning Power Play. Social distancing we are. We hope you are as well as we all try and find our way to get through this pause in the NHL schedule. And uh, speaking of the NHL schedule, don't forget Fox Sports Sun tonight is re-airing the second game of the uh, global series between Tampa Bay and Buffalo that took place over in Sweden. That's a second game. That was the Lightning's 5-3 victory. And make sure you follow along on the Fox Sports Sun Twitter account as Dave Mishkin will be joining the conversation and uh, answering your questions and giving some of his thoughts on that game as well. So, again, that's 8 p.m. tonight on Fox Sports Sun. Uh, here on Lightning Power Play, uh, in between this show, we're replaying Wins throughout the season, so on today's schedule is the January 11th game at Philadelphia. That was the one nothing victory that extended Tampa Bay's winning streak to 10 games, which at that time tied a franchise record, and that'll be followed up by the January 14th game at home against the LA Kings. And uh, Greg, we were, we were talking, we want to get to a couple of tweets that we've had come in the last couple of days that we haven't been able to get to. Uh, and I'll start with the first one here that came in from Rays fan Geo yesterday. Uh, would yeah. you personally prefer prefer the NHL start playoffs in July, finish season and start next season in say December, or cancel the season and start next season at a regular time? Um, I want both. Can I be greedy here? Uh, I want to find a way to award a Stanley Cup for the 1920 season, uh, and then at the same time keep as much in the integrity. We've heard that word thrown around from Bill Daly. We heard Dan Rosen talk about that as well, that the you have the full 82-game season next year. I think that's the most important f- thing for this league. Um, if if the option, though, if, if, if Gio's only giving me those two options, uh, I think you have to keep next season intact. Uh, but I want to find a way to award both a Stanley Cup champion this year and have a full season next year. Here's how I see this unfolding. Um Assuming we are the glass half full, which we are. Play comes back in August with the playoffs. You find a winner between August and September. November is when you come back for the next season. Yep. I'm not telling you it's what I would do. I get the sense that's kind of what they're hoping for. And it gives you a a Stanley Cup champ now and you still get a chance to play an 82-game season. Now, concessions, I think, will have to be made. I think the players will have to look at that and say, can we handle this? And, you know, you're probably not getting a bye week. You're probably not having an all-star game or very short versions of those two things, E, but I could see that happening. Of course, the other side is just completely shutting it down. Which I think is something we definitely want to avoid if we can. Um, I, I don't want to see I it shut down. Um, uh, you know, it, look, there are a lot of logistic issues. A lot of you know, they have to listen to you know health officials and government officials in what's best. I mentioned earlier the situation in China where they're now they're back on basically on pause after they had this plan to get things mm-hmm. started back then. So they're listening eh, much different government over there, but they're listening to the government and what they have to do to try and get their sports leagues uh, back on track. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the players could handle it because, you know, let's face it, by the time they get back to anything, it's, it's probably a minimum two months before they even think about it, if not longer, two and a half months. So that's about a standard off season, if you would. 
and then you get back into the playoffs where you know not everybody is banged up. You haven't gone through the grind of a full 82-game season straight into the playoffs. Um, and then you would have, you would finish off this season, you'd, you'd crown a champion, you would have to have a, a, a period of time in which you do the off-season stuff, whether it, you know, the, the, the draft and free agency and, and all that stuff. So you would have another uh, respite in uh, in the schedule, whether that's three weeks yeah. or a month. I think from a player standpoint, I think that they could handle that because it's still about the same amount of time off that they normally have. I guess the only difference here is that they don't have access to ice right now. You know who we need to get on the show? Andre Schuster. Andre Schuster. Oh, yeah, because he played over the the Red Star team, right, in, in the KHL. Played in China last year, man. I, I, yeah. And I think he was at a, a recent Lightning game before they shut everything down. Yep, I saw I'd be curious just account. to, yeah, I'd be curious just to talk to him about playing over there first. Uh, what I'm assuming he's back here, or at least, you know, in his native uh, Czech Republic. But I think it'd be kind of fascinating to talk to him about like what it was like there. Did uh, he get caught in that uh, pandemic? And um, is he ever going to go back and play? I mean that. I think he'd be an interesting guy to talk to. It may take a uh, couple of phone calls to track him down, but I don't know. We've got time, don't we? <laughs> We've got a lot of time. Uh, We've got a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, maybe we'll try and uh, we'll put those yeah. wheels into motion, see if we can't have that uh, that happen. Bob has a question. You know, the good thing about Bob, too, not only is he one of our loyal listeners and we is always it, appreciate is it, is him. It, am I this close to having to mute you? No, He's no, bad. not no. <laughs> even though you did say a great question. I always know what the Lightning's record is. That's right. That's right. <laughs> he hasn't like if handle. I if I'm ever like in one of those panics where for whatever reason the standings are down, I just don't have it right in front of me. I, I just go to Bob's Twitter and it's forty three twenty one and six for ninety two points. But Bob, we always appreciate that. He says, "Do you and Eric know of any teams that could go under financially if the season ended at this point? Does the NHL bail out teams in that occurrence?" And I, I wrote back, I said, that is actually a great question. I feel like we touched on this before um, when we were just talking about this early on that I, I don't have, look, uh, to be very clear, Bob, I don't know what the right answer is. My guess would be because this is uh, through no fault of anybody's that the NHL would step in and help a team that is struggling. Uh, they've proven it in the past, right? Yeah, with with keeping teams in their markets, uh, most recently the Coyotes, in uh, their situation that they could have potentially moved a couple of seasons ago, um, yeah. so that it, it's out there. The league has stepped in. They help prop up the Coyotes and try and find local ownership. This is obviously a much different situation because uh, you know, there's no there's not much revenue coming in, and I think that's the concern. Yeah. Um, not not just for these particular markets, but also for the league itself. You know, you have sponsorships that are still there and everything, but you're not generating revenue. I don't know how many people are buying shirts, jersey stuff online right now and, and, and generating revenue that way. Uh, but I, I think at the end of the day, I, I think the league would do everything they could to help out some of these teams. And, and the good news is, is that, you know, like Florida Panthers, they're, they're always a target for people when this subject comes up. And, you know, the owner down there, Vinny Viola, has come out and said that their employees are going to get paid. I don't know what the date is at, through at least a certain date. Um, mm -hmm. You know, but at the, in, at the same time as that, though, you saw yesterday, I think it was Calgary and Edmonton both came out and said that they were laying off some people and yeah. uh, some people were taking reductions in their salary, including executives, I think were taking 50% pay cuts. We saw that. Uh, the Dallas Stars, both Jim Nill 
um, and uh, Jim Light, the the CEO there, both took 50% pay cuts uh, during this time as well. So I, I think the league would do everything they could to make sure that this doesn't happen, that uh, it's a legitimate concern uh, on a lot of levels, not just for the NHL, but you know for so many big sports leagues around the league. If, if you're not bringing in revenue, uh, you know how are you able to, to to help these teams out if they need it? Yeah, you know because that stimulus bill that was passed, you know, I don't it doesn't go to those teams. <laughs> I no. mean, it's going to small businesses. It goes to their employees. Yeah, it's it's trying to help them out, but um, you know that's where you have to hope that you've got some reserves and unfortunately, shutting off the lights and and having a skeleton crew to survive is something that a lot of businesses are doing. We actually had a question about that the other day that I want to get to a couple of responses there. Kathy says, do you really believe the NHL will resume this season in some way? My hope in this happening is diminishing fast. Be safe and stay healthy. Well, same to you, Kathy. Um, I, I retweeted a doctor from South Korea and his, his take on what droplets means when you have a lot of people in one building and how that is really a recipe for disaster. And Kathy, my opinion, and I'll let you in because I think we maybe agree on this, that if and when they do come back, it's going to be, I think, initially with no fans. And the question becomes, are you okay with that? What do you think the play will be like? And uh, will fans eventually be allowed back in play if uh, things go smoothly during that time they're not there. But e, what do you what do you make of that situation? Uh, I I think that the league coming back and and the capacity of not having any fans in the stands. I think that's okay. I think that's best case scenario right now. To be honest with you, um, it, it, to to see to see the games back. I, I think we can see that for sure. Uh, in terms of what it means if fans come back, I, I don't know. I mean, that's the great unknown. Um, do fans even want to come back? Is is there going to be concern over getting this? You know, we've already heard about the possibility of a of a comeback of this virus in the fall, uh, similar to flu season. So uh, those things certainly have to come into account. Um, but don't give up hope, Kathy. Don't give up hope yeah. that the league won't come back. I still believe. I uh, look. I'm an optimistic person by nature. I'm always a glass half full. I always try to see that. My wife gives me crap for it sometimes, but yeah. uh, I do think that the, the league is going to come back in some capacity to finish out this season in some ways, uh, so don't give up uh, hope on that. I know it's hard. Uh, it's difficult. We're into week three now of this quarantine situation, the safer at home that we're all under, but I do believe at some point that this is going to come back, and, and Greg, before we sign off, uh, two things. Number one, uh, update on your dad. Uh, dad's fever is, uh, down. It's actually was like down to like 95. They have a call, uh, at one thirty with one of the doctors they've been seeing to kind of get an update on where he is condition wise. Headache persisted last night. Fever is down, which is a good thing. Just again, I, I said the way he described it, it feels like a truck hit me and, uh, he is starting to eat better, but, um, as I said before, hopeful, turning the corner, no doubt about that. But uh, we got to wait and see what happens here in the next couple of days. I think. Good, good. Thank to you hear. for asking. Um, yeah, no, I want to make sure that uh, we're all on top of that and um, hoping the best for your dad. And it sounds like things are certainly trending again 
in the right direction. And before we sign off, trying to do this every day, something positive that you, you've seen, and I've got two before we go. Uh, number one, I saw a story involving Stefan Marbury, former New York Knicks star, uh, who finished his career over in China. He's trying to work out a deal with a Chinese company over there to bring 10 million masks to New York and the hospitals there. Uh, some logistics involved in it, but he's trying to get that set up uh, to get those, you know, cover the cost of those masks at cost for 10 million of them. Uh, so that's great to see somebody of his stature coming through and trying to help out. And the other one is, is I retreated a, a, something that showed up in my timeline, uh, a picture of a 12-year-old girl who was having some difficulty with her math at home. So she reached out to the teacher. Did she call you? <laughs> That'd be a mistake. <laughs> Big time to ask me for a math problem, even even at the sixth grade level. All right, uh, would all right. Be you're honest. <laughs> I like that. You're I, honest. I know my limitations, uh, yes. but she emailed the teacher because she couldn't figure it out. So the teacher came over to her house, stood outside with a whiteboard, and helped her through that lesson. Wow, great stuff. Going the extra mile. Um, you are uh, married to a teacher. I come from a family of many teachers. Uh, what the hell's wrong with us? I think is probably the first question many have. <laughs> but, we're we're uh, teaching hockey fans. That's what we do. They do a lot of great work. Uh, maybe the biggest positive I took when we start talking about this coronavirus, and maybe this can be a topic for tomorrow and a poll question. So start thinking about this. So the FDA apparently has issued an emergency approval for a testing kit that can detect coronavirus in two minutes. My question is, is this something that's going to be the new normal, particularly with yeah. people who attend sporting events? And how would that change you as a paying customer going to games or not? I'm talking about masks, and I'm talking about having to take a test. Now, they've got it down to two minutes. We saw early on it was like 48 hours. Then it got to like 24 hours, and now it's down to two minutes. Again, uh, we've got to see how this plays out. But if that holds true, and we talk about what's the new normal E moving forward after this pandemic, if it means getting tested and wearing a mask as the new norm, particularly going to sporting events, would that change you in terms of how you would spend your hard-earned dollar afterwards? Yeah, I'm going to have to think about that one overnight. I, I'm not going to go so far as to say it's a good question. No, I don't want you to. I'm it's a tease. <laughs> it's a tease. Yeah, no, it, that's it, no, it is. It, it's a good thought-provoking. You can say it. Uh, question. I won't. Yeah, I won't okay. call it great. I mean, you can say it if you want to. I know you want it to. I do not live by the motto "Make questions great again." Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're you're a wise man. You're a wise man in his own mind. In his own mind. Now we, yeah, we yeah, got my, my wife. Got will, wife will attest to that. Yes. Well, she's smart. Um, George Richards tomorrow, right, from The Athletic? Yep, yep, who covers right? the Panthers. Yeah, Florida okay. Panthers, so we'll get so some of his thoughts on uh, a lot of stuff, especially being down in Miami, which seems to be the hotbed of this state when it comes to coronavirus. He had, he had a pretty bad illness. Was it last year? Spider bite, right? Yeah, was that last year or the year before? It was got, two years got, ago. Yeah, I think it was it a brown recluse he got bit by. Yeah, we know that, that was crazy. Bad, I'm sure that yeah. was, you know, something that, was scary, and then you take a look at what's happening right now, and you're probably like, oh, I'm not going outside. I'm staying inside. <laughs> yeah. The hell? Well, yeah. I'm not going out there. Well, yeah, I don't know. Did you right, see well, the alligator that passed in my yard a couple weeks ago? Actually, it was last week. God, it seems like Did it you put just... that on Twitter? I did, absolutely. I put the video on Twitter. Just walking right through our side yard back towards the lake. Really? 
Yeah, I got not quite a spider, but to see your stuff. Well, that that would help. <laughs> <Just joking. laughs> There's truth in a joke, as a, a wise man once told me. It wasn't me, but uh, it's pretty good stuff. All right, this was a uh, a lively show. Thank you for the participation. Thanks for staying with us with these technical glitches. Uh, sometimes it just happens. There's a lot of people doing things from home, and um, how dare they? But uh, you know, sometimes that uh, slows. Uh, connections down. So uh, Steve Versnick, outstanding job getting us back on the air early on. Thanks to Dan Rosen. Hope you're enjoying the guests and the good hockey talk we are bringing to you. We are certainly enjoying it as we all get through this. E, great job as always, buddy. We will do it again tomorrow. Sounds good. Thanks, Greg. Eric Rollinson there. Thanks to Steve Versnick. I am Greg Linelli. We'll be with you again tomorrow right here on Lightning Power Play.